Hello everyone and welcome to Virtual Training with People Potential, a podcast made for learning and development professionals and HR practitioners who care deeply about impacting lives. Welcome back, uh, Francis, and co-hosting with me is Marian. Uh, Marian, I'm going to treat you not just as a co-host because uh, in this segment, uh, we're going to explore things with, that you are very much part of too. Sure. And uh, so I would like to, I'd like to tap onto your many years of uh, experience as a practitioner too. So Francis, welcome back. Uh, in the last session, we explored a bit of your history, how you've been running VLTs for a good five to six five, years. Five, six years, yeah. Uh, the, the technological issues you grappled with, and then a few the years pain, ago, the pain, the <laughs> pain. A few years ago, discovered breakout rooms in Zoom, and that opened up a, a whole avenue. And then later, you discovered uh, mm. collaboration boards mm. uh, with, with visual collaboration yeah, boards, yeah, visual collaboration boards with post-it notes, and that opened up a whole vista mm. right, of experiences. That and the the mm. whole idea there that you are grappling with is that how can we bring the best practices. In, from classroom training, Correct. which have been tested, uh, refined, for, yeah, for refined over decades, yes. right? Bring as much of that into the virtual experience, Correct. right? So that's that's a lot of what we experienced. And then Marion, you took on from there last week and you asked him, uh, you explored other things. You know? Yeah, I thought that um, that was a key point, right? That, and Francis, you said that um, you didn't have the baggage, hmm. you used the word baggage, you didn't have the baggage that many trainers and even our clients also are facing now, which is the, the importing of video conferencing meetings that we've been kind of overwhelmed with or mm. used to, use importing that methodology into training and mm. therefore training being uh, the conventional wisdom being that it has to be ninety minutes, has to be you know, has to be short. Mm. Um, it's boring. Mm. It's uh, it's not engaging. It's not possible to mm. be engaging, right? Mm. And so, I think that too yeah. many people are really infected, and I purposely use the word now, infected with this idea, and it's infected from that virtual meetings and webinars, infected by the experience of that. Those were very boring experiences, anything past about 90 minutes, uh, yeah. 60 or 90 minutes was really boring. Yeah, And you're right, I, I, I didn't have that. I, and it was interesting that you also pointed out that I really approached this from the perspective of a facilitator as a trainer and that was my perspective. I wasn't thinking yeah. about what was my past experience per se. Yeah, because hearing you in that, um, that previous segment, it was so clear that you were, you are, you know, a highly skilled facilitator and trainer with so many years of experience. You found yourself in an online uh, situation mm. in those years ago mm. that was highly limiting. Mm. And as the years went by, you said, you said, like any good practitioner would, how can I make this thing mm. um, yeah, yeah. a much better experience for my learner? Because that's the crux of it, right? Yeah. And there's, there's uh, one bit of data I want to add in here. Yeah. Uh, we've known you for a good, I don't know. Don't say the number. Twenty-five years or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. Uh, that long, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were the two of us were still teenagers. I think my, <laughs> I think my place in heaven is reserved. Yeah. And and since that time, you have always been a trainer with a, a, a mind or interest in tech. 
Yeah. Right? You've always explored technology yeah. for whatever reason, I, I don't know. But you always <laughs> had that interest, right? And I think that's an important piece of the dynamic that, that you bring to the table or mm. that, that influenced your VILT exploration. Mm. That you are not the sort like I, like I am, you know, what's the <laughs> most basic tech that I need to do something? You would want to go and explore and read to discover what else is uh, there, right? And I think that's an important dynamic you bring to the table. Yeah, 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 you certainly brought that, um, you know, you the last segment you talked about visual collaboration platform and the platform of choice for you and, and you've investigated many of them mm. uh, is mm. Miro, right? Mm. And um, I remember my first um, um, my first experience of Miro, and every subsequent <laughs> experience since then, every single time, and Edmund, who is directing and producing this podcast, <laughs> you know, has been responsible for helping us put a lot of our stuff on Miro. Mm. Every one of them has been a wow, mm. and it's a question of how big a wow, you know, can I can I say to a <laughs> mm. team, mm. Um, so that your knowledge of those platforms and bringing it in and then grappling because actually you helped us grapple with our clarity boards mm. that we use in the case maker mm. and presentations alive and all that how are we how the heck were we going to do that online mm. you know okay. so edmund helped us yeah. Yeah. Uh, with an initial platform and then you came and said look forget that thing let's do miro right mm. and then mm. uh, actually there for us the rest is history mm. Mm. Um, but much more than that right so, so Terry's right about the tech side, mm. yeah. It's, it's really interesting because this last week I've been attending uh, quite a few, uh, it, there's still so much more to learn out there. And so I've yeah. been attending quite a few uh, uh, workshops this last week and one of them actually asks all of us who are on, on this workshop to introduce ourselves by like uh, decorating a little bit of space to introduce ourselves. So I actually did a Venn diagram, you know, one of those circles yeah, which yeah. are overlapping. Yeah, we know so what Venn diagram is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right on. <laughs> so I, oh, I was thinking, so I ended up with three circles. One was tech, the other one was mm. uh, learning, and the third one was fun. Mm. And I sort of pointed out that where I where it was in the middle, that's where I am as a as a mm, as a trainer yeah, and as a yeah, facilitator. Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting for quite a number of people. That yeah. So I think for us um, at People Potential, because uh, well, you know, you're our VILT technical advisor, mm. right? Mm. For for good reason, yeah. right? Um, so what I found is that uh, and 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 you and we. Uh, you often joke with us that you know we only know about ten percent or fifteen percent of. There was supposed to be an offline discussion. Yeah, that's true. No, no, but you know, but it's but it's a it's a. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's actually a joke. Okay. No, no, it's not a joke because it's relevant because most many many trainers and our clients or the HR and L and D practitioners are out there training don't have that circle of tech. Mm. Many of them don't have that circle. But your concept and your methodology, when, you, when we put it together, the trainer, yes, has to learn, and definitely has to learn a few things. Mm. Uh, we call it digital fluency now at People Potential, mm. right? You have to build your digital fluency. 
But because you've gone ahead and investigated it and mm. a bunch of things, others of us who are, <laughs> I speak for myself, <laughs> been dragged you along. Know, who, <laughs> whose tech circle is like outside, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not even, you know, in that vicinity. Um, can get up there and do it. Okay. Uh, let's move on to where we uh, paused last mm. week. Right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, last week, we ended with uh, this particular client. It happened to be a regional bank uh, out of Singapore uh, that wanted a highly technical program. It was on reinforcement. Yep. Um, and uh, we had to teach a bunch, their L&D team, mm. how to think about reinforcement, li- uh, send them through an app that, that we use, the MindMarker app. Yep. And over a six-day period, followed by some coaching, right? And the first chunk was three days. Mm. And when the client said, uh, oh, there's a directive, this is before the circuit breaker in Singapore or yeah. even our MCO here, that bank said, the management said, no classroom training. Yeah. So yeah, I think there was like February. Uh, late, February. late February when the writing was on the wall, yeah. literally. Yeah. 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 yeah, maybe even earlier February. Because we did the first three yeah. days for them just before Chinese New Year. Yeah, Online, yeah, yeah, we did it virtually just yeah. before Chinese right. New Year. So it was fairly early, in early February. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we also knew, uh, because I had interactions with the client, we also knew that there was an urgency mm. because they wanted to roll out uh, re- uh, reinforcement, uh, Kirkpatrick's level three, through a lot of their programs. So, so postponing the training and waiting for it, for classroom to start, uh, was really not their best option mm. because they had lots of work to do. Mm. So I spoke to the head of L&D and she said, okay, we will do one of the three days, see how it goes. <laughs> she obviously couldn't be- didn't believe yeah. that you could do yeah. it. Yes. And then, and then yeah. uh, I, 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 I remember that. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, I've never really said this to you, but when I, I mean, when I looked at, at, at the training that people potential had to do, uh, which was teach people how to use the, use the platform, I was thinking, oh my God, couldn't you start with something simpler? <laughs> okay, thank you for not letting us know, yeah. But May didn't know any better, so yeah, she just dived true, head on. And neither did uh, uh, Dr. Raymond, Raymond and uh, Joshua. Joshua. Yeah, they didn't know either. They didn't yeah. know any better. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, so bring, just... on, bring on the most challenging one, right? Yeah, yeah we'll start yeah. with that. So, okay. so, yeah. yeah. So, so tell me what was the experience like that? Yeah. that yeah. We've never really discussed this, so I'm interested to hear. So once that first day of training was confirmed, VILT training was confirmed, and we knew there was no turning back, mm. we'd, we'd have to put this thing online. Um, I opened up an email from you, Francis, <laughs> that I'm going to hold it against you, <laughs> that you had sent to me last year, actually, when we were talking VILT mm. um, for another client. Um, but, you know, I, I had looked through it. You and I had had a conversation. Mm. You had told me some of your ideas and all that. But then, you know, that, uh, that particular project didn't, you know, it didn't pan out, right? Um, so I left it. And we had some conversations, some meetings. Yeah. I left it. But then this... Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Because the global <laughs> client wanted to roll out the train, the trainer for our... They wanted to license our program. And yes. they wanted us to train there. Global trainers, VILT, yeah. rather than that. That's yeah, right. So that, that's when we tried to engage Edmund. To help us with, at that uh, time. to think about the board, the boards and, and all that, board. and Francis, yeah, and Francis we had, came in yeah. a little later, and that program got postponed. Yeah, that, yeah. So that thinking went. So, so I, I picked out that email, 
in February of this year. In fact, um, we had an appointment, you and I had an appointment at People Potential at 9 o'clock or something in the morning <laughs> because to, to design this thing. I opened up the email at about 7 a.m. and I looked at it and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, Okay, there's a bunch of things in here. You had told us things like, go and investigate this, go and do this, this uh, the technical team needs to do this, you need this A, B, C, D, E, F. And I was thinking, oh, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's a lot here. There were terms like kickoff session and other things, right? There's a lot here, so I mapped that whole thing out as, as, I, as best as I could on our whiteboard here, and, and you came and met me, right? Um, classroom whiteboard. Yeah. Classroom whiteboard. Yeah, classroom whiteboard. <laughs> so there were things like a kickoff session, pre-work, setup session, state change every 15 minutes, you know, 90-minute mm. chunks, longish breaks, end early. Mm. Uh, and I'm not even talking about the variety of learning activities, right, that you mm. had mentioned. Right? You had a grid, some kind of grid, you know, mm. like to map out all the different types of learning activities. So... So that really was a turning point for us. When I, when I looked at that email, I said, there is something here that, it, it looked like a classroom face-to-face -face methodology. Mm. But obviously it was different, mm. right? It was different. And, but when I looked at it and I recognized it, I said, this is methodology. It's methodology for VILT. So I better, I, I better learn about it, right? And find out from you. So, so um, for me, um, Two or three things uh, stand out. I mean, all of them stand out, actually. But the, the one that I want to kind of start off with is um, you, when I was exploring with you the contents of that email, you said something interesting. You said, you know, uh, you, you, you would map out your classroom, right, on post-its. So we were doing it on the whiteboard, right? So your classroom design and then on the other side of the whiteboard, you were, you were thinking about how to do the virtual design, mm. right? And so you had a way of mapping across and deciding, um, you know, what to keep, what not to keep. And you had lots of ways of, uh, uh, lots of things in your mind about uh, what was not needed in a virtual setting and mm. what you could keep. So could you tell us about that process? Because that's a process, I think, that our clients and trainers uh, would really uh, benefit from. Mm. Can we start there? Yeah. Um, I think for me, every time I have to think about designing a, a, a session on, on, on a virtual platform, um, I really have to go back and sort of rethink rethink how do I approach this mm -hmm. and after doing it for many times over many years one of the things that I started to realize was this the convent again it's conventional wisdom and 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 the way we've always done things right so as a trainer we would of we would get allocated two days and we have a captive audience and so what we all do is because it's captive and we've got time we'll just go in there and do everything within that time. Mm, yeah. And however, because of the constraint of time placed on me by organizers, because I've always had to fight this, like, why does it have to be so short? 
right? Right. Um, I had to really start to think, do we really need to teach it in the class? Right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And there was... There that's was, a, that's, that's a key question. Yes, there's that a key question. That was a key question. I think I wrote it out in yeah. red. Right, on do the white you point. have to teach it in the class? And often we are in the class in front of the participants teaching them things which, I mean, we're teaching adults, right? I teach mid-level management, mid-management level uh, uh, managers. They're perfectly capable of learning things, right? Now, over the, over the last five to, I don't know, seven to ten years now, uh, blended learning has also been gaining yes. more and more traction yes. uh, in, within the community. The, the idea is not new. It's been around for a long, long time. It's just that technology has made it easier and easier now to roll out blended learning. So the ideas in blended learning is also not rocket science. Mm. Okay? But traditionally, blended learning has always been thought of as something stretched over many days or many weeks. That's right. right. And it occurred to me one day that there's no reason why we cannot apply a blended learning approach at a micro level. Mm -hmm. So if we have a two-day workshop, what are some of those things that we can push out into, um, sometimes it's called independent learning, sometimes it's called asynchronous learning. There are many names for basically the same. But basically, the learner learns on his own or her own. Mm. Right? And so when you look at many of our content, the things that we spend 15 minutes explaining on a PowerPoint slide, that's perfectly easy for somebody to learn. And how do they learn it? Then that's where your skill as a trainer and a designer comes. Do you ask them, pose a question and ask them to link to their own context, which is one way. You could find a video on the internet and there's videos for everything now, right? You can find right. a video on the internet that covers it and you know, if it's like seven or eight minutes long, if it's a serious topic, maybe a little bit longer, get them to watch a video. Sometimes it's about reading an article. And often, and this is the part that some trainers get a bit lazy, they'll just say, I'll <laughs> uh, read the whole article. But I've come to realize you don't even need to read the whole article. Just mm. excerpt out, set the context, and then excerpt out the parts that they really need to learn, which is the key mm. idea to trigger that, that, that thinking process, and just get them to, to learn it. Um, and that can be pushed out, a, either it can be pushed out a week ahead, it can be pushed out a couple of days ahead. But you know what, nowadays I just push it out an hour or 45 minutes before I mm. need to, to use that in the class. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So I, that, that I, term, push I, out, yeah. was a, a term that we learned from you, mm. right? And we started scrutinizing our trainings yeah. to see what we could push out, right? Yeah. Uh, to shorten that, the amount of time that the trainer is actually talking. Oh, so more to the point. Shorten the amount of time the, the learner, learner has to sit there listening listen. to you and yeah. showing you a PowerPoint slide. Yeah. That's, That's right. actually the, the perspective that is important for me. Right. What is the learner experience yes. or what's the user experience as it, yeah. if you use it in a technology? I, I'm reminded of a session I attended at uh, the a an ATD conference a few years ago in the US where the speaker said that uh, he used an interesting analogy. He said, we, we run our training like high school. Mm. classrooms mm. right students come in there we teach them right and they go back right mm. whereas we should run them like postgraduate or graduate classes mm. where they do the work when they come to the classroom they are discussing what they already the work they've already done correct right? however having said that uh, one uh, bit of data that I've uh, often heard from HR, HR managers, uh, L&D managers, 
is that it's very difficult to get participants to do pre-work that you need to follow up on them uh, because they don't do it they come to class and say oh there was an email on this oh sorry i did not uh, notice it you know yeah. things like that right mm. what has your experience been with that and has there been any cultural difference in asia versus uh, europe it's it's an interesting question um, the the short answer is it's true it's very hard to get people to do pre-work uh, is there a cultural difference? Yes, but the difference is not so big. Mm. All right? So we can have participants in, say, Europe, all right? mm. and they, anything between 30 to 60% won't do their pre-work. Right? Mm. In Asia, it's also around the amount, that same amount. And the usual reason is, oh, no, I'm busy, mm. which it's actually my, one of my pet hate statements. And in my class, I say, busy is the new stupid. <laughs> you actually tell them that. I do. I, mean, because I work with managers, right? And managers like to tell me, oh, I'm busy. Then I just tell them their face. Mm, hello, busy is the new stupid. Age has its advantages. Like <laughs> Which too. is true. But anyway, coming back to this. Um, it's true. People, um, and in Asia, depending on, especially in Asia, depending on which part of Asia you come from, where people come through... Uh, secondary school and university where the, where the education system spoon feeds information and mm. expects people to regurgitate information. Mm. People have poor, bad associations with pre-work because they see it as homework, right? Mm. And okay. there's actually some kind of um, um, negative, Baggage, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> negative feeling yeah. around doing pre-work. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's still true. Yeah. It's still true. And it's not just in Asia, but anywhere in the world. Mm. I mean, my colleagues in, in, the, in Europe and in, in, in the Americas, they report the same issue. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess the logical, logical question is, how, what, what do you do, do then? Right? Um, I, like the, I like the point about treating, treating our participants like, as though they were in an MBA class. Essentially treating them like adults. Mm. Um, and in my experience, if you gain the commitment and you treat them and expect uh, a certain level of responsibility, you will get a better return rate. Mm. Okay, there will still be some people who won't who won't who won't turn in the stuff. All right. So one of the things that um, one of the things that uh, you can do and we can do a lot more easily now, especially when we have things uh, when we have platforms which gather feedback is that every time when you push out pre-work is to pose uh, a, a, an assignment where people have to fill in and turn in. Mm. Mm. So, a reflection? So, yeah, some kind of reflection. Just, so I would, yeah. I mean, if I were to simplify it, every assignment you put out there, follow with three to five questions which they yeah. need to answer and yeah. submit. Yeah. And because they have to answer and submit, you can track whether people do it. Yeah. Um, that increases the, the return rate. My favorite tip for anyone who is trying to do uh, pre-work is um, get people to do pair work or mm. small group work. And, when, and especially if you have pairs, people start to feel more accountable. And especially if one of the two is somebody who is really conscientious or the teacher's mm. pet, or, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> or that kind of mindset, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Politically incorrect. <laughs> yes. um, when you have that situation, then 
the chances of work coming up gets returned becomes better. Yeah. So it might be okay, you know, read this, uh, uh, read this particular article, answer the questions for reflections, and then discuss it, mm. and then together. Uh, craft some kind of summary or craft some kind of three-minute teaching to do to the other class. And I would say, and record it, record it on your phone or submit it, yeah. it's very easy. And that starts to improve the return rate. Yeah. I have a, um, yeah. it might be a too simple a question, but yeah. uh, how do you get participants working in pairs or small groups before a class? Ah, very good question. Uh, <laughs> and this is where, uh, having something like what I call a kickoff session mm, works. I thought so, because yeah. you've, yeah. Absolutely. You tell us a bit more about yeah. that. Um, it's generally good practice, even for, even for live classes. However, it's become really crucial for, for virtual or online classes. The idea of a kickoff session is that a week or 10 days, or sometimes even a month, depending on how much work you want to do in between, mm. um, you organize a one hour or 90 minute session where Everybody comes together, and in this case, because we're doing it virtually now, everybody comes together virtually, right. and it's presented to participants as it's an opportunity to meet the sponsor of the program or the owner of the program, it's an opportunity to meet the trainers, it's an opportunity to meet your, your other fellow participants. Right, right, right. And then, that's when you set up the group. Uh, you set up the back channel so everybody is on a, on a chat group and as soon as activity starts on a chat group because it's very easy for people to start activity on a chat group that people start asking questions people understand that work is happening uh, and if you have some kind of an uh, LMS or learning management system you can then also start to tell people you're going to get pre-work that's coming in drips mm. all right so small assignments one or two each week leading up to the uh, online class. Right. So they would essentially have met their learning partner or or you would break them into the small groups. Correct. If there is a pre-work that you've got to do in a small group, you they, would organize the small group in yep. the kickoff session. Yep. Okay. So either we assign them their partners yeah. or we, we do some icebreakers and right. energizers yeah. and then after that it says, okay, you know, find yeah. your find your yeah, buddy you know right. yeah. and you're going to be with this buddy for the next two months or something like yeah. that right. so f look well or something yeah. so, like that that's interesting because with, with a pair or a very small group you you there's peer pressure correct for one. yep and uh, because because they are in such small groups uh, social loafing uh, decreases, right? correct? And, and you made it a class activity. I, I like I like your terminology, <laughs> social loafing. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean that's what uh, that's an, an an actual term. Yeah. The uh, so so that's that's a really interesting thing because it have you have you attempted to do this and achieve let's say ninety percent success? Um, it depends on the nature of the activity. Yeah. It depends on the nature of the activity. Uh, so in some of the programs that I run for some of my international clients, one of the early assignments is you have to do a 100-second video of yourself uh, based on a few guideline questions, right? Yeah. 100 seconds yeah. video. You have to post it up and the other people in your group must make a comment. Uh, mm. uh, all right. Mm. So okay. it's a easy, it's a fun yeah, thing, and yeah. we tell them like, don't overthink it. Just hold up your, just hold up your mobile phone yeah. in your in your own cubicle. You know, give people a virtual tour, answer the three questions, and that's a hundred seconds. And mm. hundred seconds is very very short. And then they upload it, mm. uh, which 
no, 10 years ago, uploading video would have been like... <laughs> <laughs> more than no. 100 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the uploading takes more than 100 seconds, yes. <laughs> but now it's like literally yeah, yeah. in a flash. Yeah. And yeah. then the expectation is, is people will, will comment. And sometimes when people don't comment, I will yeah. then encourage people in the back channel. The back channel. Encourage yeah. is, yeah, a pleasant, yeah, yeah. is a polite term that I would <laughs> yeah. use. Yeah, 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 yeah. Encourage people to say, hey, you know, uh, we had an agreement yeah. that you would support, and I frame it as we had an agreement in the kickoff, right? Okay. We had an agreement that you would support your <laughs> that you would support your colleagues, right? Yeah. 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 And that's usually enough. And once, I mean, often I find that people don't do it because in their mind it's too hard. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But once you start, mm. it's like oh, actually it's not so hard, and yeah. then the social aspect of it starts to. To, yeah. to kick in. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. picture that comes to my mind, yeah. um, is, you know, as you describe the kind of pre-work, right, is that your class has already begun. Yes, absolutely. And, and actually, that's your, that's your, um, that was your intention, right? Mm. Your intention when you, were de when you are designing your virtual class is to push out. Yes. And when you push out, if you if you make pre work into pair work and group work, your class has essentially started. Yes, it has. And and so that allows you to do less in the virtual session or the, focus in, more. Yeah, what I call the or what the, what Joshua Davis or somebody I've been attending yeah. seven years, awesome 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 people yeah. working out of uh, Hong Kong. What what he calls live online. Yeah, live which, online. Which yeah? gets shortened to LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Yeah, so, so you can either do less, you can focus, right? Because mm. your class has started yes. uh, before, before the, yeah. the virtual session. Yeah, it's quite neat. Because the, I remember once speaking to a, a good friend of ours who used to be with a large oil, oil company uh, in charge of uh, talent management globally uh, based out of Europe, a uh, Malaysian guy. And uh, he said that uh, they have done pre-work what, but what they do is that they start the pre-work six months before the actual class. Mm. And then they, once a month, they meet the participants in a classroom situation to find out how they're doing in the pre-work. <laughs> right? For about a few hours, you know, a couple of hours oh. that, that they meet. So, it's, so it has, I mean, we didn't go into the details of the program, but it has to be a really very important program that they are running yeah. for HR or L&D to actually meet with them in class to see how their pre-work is going. <laughs> and, and I'm sure the pre-work is not just upload a video, right? <laughs> Obviously, there's a substantial yes. amount of work yes. to be done. Yes. Yeah. But so that's the kind of picture that I've carried with me, mm. uh, aside from all the anecdotal uh, mm. complaints, mm. right, about, mm. uh, about pre-work mm. pre not yeah. being done. Yeah. 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 So they succeeded. Mm. But it was a lot of effort to, yeah. to get that. In, to in fact, I was listening to that story. I was thinking, why didn't you, when you meet them, just run the class when you meet them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me share, let me share this, this, uh, this thing that I came across, right? Um, much as I hate to use the word gamify because I think it's just overhyped and it's things that people sell, sell to HR, HR and L&D managers, right? Because... I've not, I've not seen one single case study of gamification which has been spectacularly successful. Mm. And you know what, if it had been really successful, it would be a lot more mainstream by now, right? I mean, That's gamification true. has been around for, for quite yeah. a few well, years. I, I think it has a role to play with what 
someone in ATD said boring jobs. You have to remember all the products in your store. Uh, gamification would help. But they're not for yeah, the but, knowledge worker type. Yeah, of, but uh, even situation. then, like, um, it's like, I, I think that gamification is one of those ideas where the designers and the tech people are very excited about it and they think it's the yeah. best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. But the people who actually have to practice it, like you know, the yeah. traders and the L&D yeah. people look at it and go, uh, maybe I'll try it next, yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, they are, you are spot on in, in terms of how you can do it. Um, there's, I've, I've heard of a few really interesting examples where if you have the right platform and you have the right culture, yeah. some of the work can be quite fun. Um, uh, some, there's, this, there's this organization which was rolling out new policies um, and they wanted people to become familiar with the policy, mm. like the entire organization. Yep, yep. It's, it's a little bit like you know, those of us who have worked with trying to do uh, yeah. organizational culture kind of work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's daunting. It's, al yeah. it's almost yeah. a losing battle for most, yeah. most cases. And so what they did was they, they broke the policy. It's a very long policy. They just broke it down into little chunks of information and they started a competition organization-wide mm. where you could challenge anyone. Mm. And when you challenge mm. somebody, you, the system will generate five questions for you and five questions for me. Yeah. And it was like, how, who, who knows the policy yeah, best, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that gained traction. I mean, it's yeah. not going to work for everyone because the, sure, the organizational sure. culture has to be in place. The platform has to be very yeah. easy and, and ubiquitous as well, yeah. right? Um, but that generated an yeah. amazing amount of traction. Right? Yeah. So if you think about pre-work, and you come from the way I approach it, which is what is the learner experience or what is yeah. the user mm. experience? And you think about it enough. You don't need complex, fancy, schmancy kind of stylo milo kind of solutions. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just take what you know from your from your life practice. Yeah. yeah. All right. What you do in your life rooms. Yeah. And just think, how do I bring it into the virtual yeah. environment? Now, there is one caveat though, yes. right? Which How is... well you know your platform. Mm. Because it, the, analogy, the analogy that we use is it's like playing music, mm. right? You can give the same instrument to two different persons. Mm. The person who knows the instrument well mm. will be able to produce music at a different level for somebody who might be able to play the instrument but plays it at a different level at a different yeah, uh, level. Beginner, oh yeah. Yeah, okay. Not they can so. be, they yeah. can, in fact, they can both be accomplished, mm. but how well you know the instrument results in quite different mm. uh, kind of mm. outcomes. Okay. Uh, mm. The analogy, the other analogy that I... I hope that doesn't make you nervous. I was just going to say, don't, don't give me a cello. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, I, I, let me end with this analogy, yeah. La, yeah. because it's really about how well you know your platform. I think for many of us, uh, experience and seasoned trainers. We're used to training in, 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 in nicely set up rooms, often in hotels or, yeah. or if, if you're yeah. in a company with lots of resources, really, really well equipped rooms, yeah. right? Yeah. And they've got sound and temperature control and lights and yeah. video and audio and everything yeah. all, all set up. All right? on the desktop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all on the desktop, yeah. right? And imagine that now suddenly you have to train on a beach 
and all you've got is the sand, the seashells, the leaves, Yay! the water, and so on, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's hot, right? And yeah. there's no place to sit. Yeah. Now, as a trainer, how do you adapt to that? And the good trainer then thinks about the environment, thinks about what's available, and then thinks about how can I achieve the same kind of outcomes using what's available. And it requires you to know your platform. It requires you mm. to know your digital tools well. And the better you know it, the, the more effective you will be in getting those results. You know, Francis, I, I hate to say this, but that analogy smacks of wisdom. <laughs> on that note, on that note, we'll pause. There's a lot more that that we have to cover. Uh, we'll uh, we'll come back, come yeah, back for we'll, another cup of coffee or tea, yeah. and we'll, we'll right. talk so, a little bit more. Thank you very much for your time, and yeah, Marianne, it's been great. Yeah. It's been great. It's been yeah. good talking to both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>